Blog Talk Radio. to the Ken Reedy Show. We say what you think. Uh, thank you all for tuning in on this Sunday evening. we got a lot of stuff to talk about. And if you're just joining us, uh, we've changed our format. Really got to change the intro. Uh, yeah. But we're, we're going to talk pro wrestling tonight, but we're kind of all over the place these days. So it's like ADD radio, uh, whatever we're burning on, whatever we feel like talking about, we talk about. So we had politics, local, national politics. We hit a uh, Sports, uh, we hit wrestling, uh, we hit a whole bunch of stuff, and tonight's not going to be any different. We're going to hit a lot of different topics. So without further ado, let me introduce my tag team partner, who is live in studio, Rocky Santiago. Rocky, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Ken. It's another uh, great day for wrestling, another great day for news. We are never at a loss for stuff to talk about, so I think we should uh, get it going. Yeah, first of you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, we, we started we, we uh, started doing the new format. And, again, uh, we got people up there on the Facebook feed, uh, Facebook Live feed, which is awesome. We got that going. Um, but we, we did talk about uh, early on that we were going to let people kind of follow along with our uh, fitness journey. And we, we've been on a fitness journey. And, uh, you know, past couple shows, I don't think we've mentioned it because we are with, with pop culture and politics and all the bullshit going on out there. We're never at a loss for things to talk about, but uh, how are things going with you and then the, the diet and the exercise and all that good stuff? Uh, well, Ken, yeah, we haven't talked about it in a bit. And uh, I can say for me, I, I've, I've had a little bit of a, a little bit of a stumble, if you will. Um, for those of you that know me, uh, that don't know, uh, I injured myself lifting. Uh, it was not fun. I tore something in my arm. So I, I'm I'm slowly getting back on that horse, and in the process of getting back on that horse, uh, I went a little bit too heavy, too <laughs> heavy this week, and I didn't tear anything. I didn't tear anything. I didn't hurt anything. But you know those times when you do something and you just feel something shift no, in yeah, your body, yeah, yeah. and it's like, yeah, I probably should not have done that. I, I had one of those moments, but uh, you know, slowly getting back on that horse. How about you? Yeah, that's how like man, like when I. I when I got a hernia, like I, I, I sneezed, man, I sneezed and I felt, and I felt something pop and man, you know, honestly, the weird thing about having a hernia, like the hernia itself didn't hurt the surgery after it. That, that's some bullshit. That's some bullshit, man. man like, and the worst thing about it, we'll get personal on the show. The worst thing about hernia surgery is 
Like they, they say it's the closest thing that a guy can get to what it feels like to have a cesarean. Okay. And I don't take, like, I don't like taking painkillers because to me, like I need, I'm, I'm an idiot. So if I don't feel the pain, I'll do too much. So I, I've had surgery on both knees. I didn't take any painkillers. Okay. Um, the pain was so bad with the hernia surgery that I'm like, I need to take something. Whatever they gave me, I can't remember what they gave me. It all, side effect, constipation. Oh, God. When your abdomen feels like someone is constantly stabbing at it, uh, and you take painkillers to dull that, but then you're constipated, it's like, it did nothing. So yeah. <laughs> all it did was, like, the, the pain was still there, maybe a little bit loopy, but really did nothing. So and that results shitting bricks right away. Exactly. <laughs> so it was, like, one of those, like, but I remember that, like, thinking I sneezed. It was literally, like, chew. Oh, oh. something's not right. <laughs> something's not right. And then I could literally, like, I, I could push my intestines back through my abdominal wall, then it would like oh. pop back out, and I'd push it in, and I'd pop it back out. I was like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't good. And I remember like I kept playing softball, like it was the middle of softball season, and Michelle was on the team, and she's like, I can see you in center field pushing your intestines in. It's like, <laughs> yeah, so I, I get that feeling when you're just like, yep, something's wrong. But uh, workouts are going well. Uh, it, it's crunch time. I'm a little over a month away from my first ever bodybuilding competition. Um, Last pinching was good, um, down at about 11% body fat. So it's nice, pretty amazing nice. being that close to single digits uh, body fat. But, uh, man, like, my workout changed, and now I'm doing a – it's amazing how – and, that, like, anyone listening, you know, when it comes to, like, being fit and, like, you want to do your own thing, um, you know, a lot of times with your body, you plateau because your body gets used to what you're doing, and you got to change it. And a lot of times the, the, the thing is people will just change – like, oh, I need to do more and just keep adding more and more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And right now, the change that we made was I, I was um, resting for two minutes between sets. Now it's 45 seconds. Yeah. Like, you know, like, if I pass out during the show, like, there's a reason for it. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> like, literally at this point, I'm dying. Like, and it's like, I have to cut back. Like, the weight has to be a lot less to get the reps in. But resting only for 45 seconds between sets is, is ridiculous. So now I'm doing 50, 50 minutes of cardio. Uh, 25 of that is high intensity intervals and I'm only resting 45 seconds between, um, nice. sets. So I'm, I'm, I'm dying. Like, and, and it makes, like that sort of workout makes you feel like a bitch because you're like, you got to bring back the weight. So like, I'm used to like, I'll do, um, you know, dumbbell presses. I'm using like hundred pound dumbbells. Now I'm using like 40, like I'm <laughs> at 40 pounds, like just to, to get the reps out. Well, yeah, no, I, I do 45 seconds between, between sets in my own workouts. But, uh, like, especially when I do legs, when I do legs, I have to concentrate on remaining conscious. <laughs> like, okay, don't pass out. Don't pass out. Whatever you do, okay. <sighs> yeah, there's that moment, like, post-deadlift, like the final deadlift in the set, when you put the weight down, and if you stand up too fast, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, shit. Going down. No. Going down. It's like looking around. Is anyone looking at me? Is that, I might go down. <laughs> So, that's, I mean, that's been fun. I, you know, it's been good. I mean, I, you know, it's, the, the interesting now is, like, once I get down to where I need to be competing, it's, like, finding that happy medium of, like, I think this is where I want to be. Um, maybe a little bit heavier, but um, I think I'm, I'm pretty good right here. I've lost almost 50 pounds so um, over a year and a half period. So, it's, like, keeping it off and staying at, at a healthy weight, which, uh, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's so interesting, and that's, you know, in, in our society, oh great, Richard Sherman being let off the field. Just so you guys know, I'm watching the 49er game as I'm doing the show. So if I react in any sort of weird way, it's because the Niner game is also on in studio. Um, but it's interesting, and, and I do admire people who do, you know, 
get themselves in shape and, and people who are fit, I admire the hell out of them, but it's such a weird uh, place where our, we are in our society right now, because as you talk about being fit and you talk about being healthier, I mean, I've gotten into conversations with people online where I say, well, healthy eating, healthy lifestyle is the best way to, to go. And, and they say, saying healthy lifestyle, that's, that's just, that's stigmatizing. Like, what? 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 Like their food, like you like salad, Big Mac. One's healthy, one's not. There's no stigma there. But it, it, it's so like, and you've brought it up a million times. Like it's people trying to, um, I'm trying to say like monetize their victimization. It's like I'm a victim yeah. to like, you know, someone who's like, you know, makes a good good living, has a good salary, doesn't really want for anything, but happens to be overweight. It's like I suffer too. Well, yeah. I have too much food. You know, and it's just kind of like, come on. And, and I, you know, I just think that I'm not looking to berate anybody for being heavy. And honestly, if you're comfortable in your life and that's the life you want to live, cool. more power to you. I mean, cool. if that's what you want to be, then then so be it. Um, but to sit there and say, you know, healthier is, is like stigmatizing is just plain silly. And which leads me to something. And again, that whole idea that the world is does not have a shortage of things we can talk about, which is why we've expanded from wrestling to other things. I just saw this came out um, uh, yesterday or well, the, the, the uh, today show actually put it on their instant on their Twitter on October 10th. Um, I saw it yesterday, but there was a math word problem. A fourth grader uh, got this math word problem, fourth grade. Okay. And the question was the table to the right shows the weight of three grade four students. How much heavier is Isabel? than the lightest student. Okay. Eh, it's a word problem. It's kind of odd. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, I don't remember getting word problems comparing weight, but whatever. Yeah. It's not saying, you know, Isabel's a fat ass. <laughs> Her yeah. friend works out. Can we, can we, you know, let's find the difference between their weight. You know, it's not that, you know, it's not Isabel ate 15 Big Macs over the week. Yeah. Sue ate one as her cheat meal. Can you, like it's not that. Yeah. It's just. Although, although honestly, with that, you, you, at least you'd have something funny to hold. <laughs> yeah. So, so this is the thing. So the student, and, and you wonder, like, I mean, to me, it's like, all right, did the student do this because they, they were a social justice warrior, or did the student think, I don't know what the answer is, so maybe if I put out there it's against my beliefs to answer. Maybe I'll get partial credit. But the student wrote, circled the problem, wrote what, with not question marks, multiple exclamation points, wrote, this is offensive. Sorry, I won't write this. It's rude. It's rude. Okay. Now, now there's a fourth grader. This is not a kindergartner. For won't, W-O-N-T, no apostrophe, it's I-T-S, no apostrophe. I won't write this. Write, R-I-G-H-T. All right. And rude, R-O-O-D. So unless she was referencing Bobby Rude, um, we might have some other problems other than, uh, again, fourth grader, not a kindergartner, and I'm not saying that I was any sort of expert speller in fourth grade, but, I mean, am I, am I wrong here? Facebook peeps, people want to call in, 347 Am I wrong here that we've just gotten a little bit silly? I mean, that, that a fourth grader can stand up and say, I'm not going to answer a math word problem because 
it's offensive. We, we, we've, got, we've gotten a lot silly, let's be honest. Okay. Uh, <laughs> because, you know, when you, think of sort of word, when you think of sort of word problems that we did as kids, you know, granted, uh, it does seem a little bit unusual to, you know, this student's weight and that student's weight. But, you know, you're talking about all these apples and oranges and trucking stuff across state lines. It's like, what do you get if he has 11 apples and 15 oranges? Yeah. Like, how many fruit salads are you going to make? <laughs> Jesus Christ. But, you know, there were problems, problems, for Christ's freaking sake. Come on, get over it. You know, everyone wants to have some skin in the victim game. It's getting real damn tiresome. And, then, like, the thing with this is, like, number one, and I think you bring up a good point, because I look at this and I think there's probably – I don't think that there's a teacher in this classroom that was like, <laughs> I'm going to make all the fat people feel bad about themselves <laughs> because I'm shredded and they're all flabby. <laughs> I don't see that being the case. I think, to your point, how many words, especially in fourth grade, involve like, you know, Susie has five apples, Johnny has four apples, John, Susie gave Johnny two apples. Now, like, like that, that sort of shit. And I almost feel like, the, all right, I got to do this. I mean, they're fourth graders. What's their knowledge of math? It's like I got to basically give the same problem over and over again with different settings. And so I, I just kind of feel like, all right, this is probably someone who is like, how can I come up with a different way to illustrate the numbers and came up with weight as opposed to another fruit salad problem? And, yeah. And so I just think, you know, it just gets a little nutty. And, and I, again, if this is how you want, if you want to be overweight, uh, if that's like where, you know, you're comfortable with, uh, fine. I just, a few things. I mean, number one, I, I, I mean, again, I've lost over 50 pounds at this point. Um, I think, I don't think anyone should make someone else feel bad about themselves. However, I think a little bit of self-shaming is a good thing. Yeah. If you look in the mirror and don't like the way you, you look and want to change it, I think that's a good thing. I don't think you should be depressed. I don't think you no. should want to hide in a room. I don't think you should be ashamed to go outside. But I think a little bit of looking in the mirror, hey, I want to do better, is, is a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I think that it gets a little overstated. And one of the things that bothers me is like when you see things like this and people say, you know, it's problems like this that lead girls to have eating disorders. That narrative needs to stop because you're oversimplifying how complex eating disorders are. And if you eliminated every, if you were able to eliminate all fat shaming, however you want to define it, let's just say for argument's sake, we we're able to wave a magic wand, a genie came by and said, what, what's your wish? I want to, I'm going to eliminate fat shaming. Eliminate it. We would still have eating disorders. Absolutely. People would still develop eating disorders because it's a, it's a disorder that uh, it's complex. Um, it's a disorder of control. And to me, you're doing a disservice to individuals that suffer from eating disorders by oversimplifying and saying, oh, it's math problems like this. That they, no, 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 no. There, there's a lot of stuff that causes someone to head down the path of having an eating disorder and coming out of that, that darkness out of the knee, being recovering out of that takes a whole hell of a lot of therapy. It's not like you can just say to somebody, you know, all right, we're not going to talk about your weight anymore. Like, no, it, it, it's so complex. Sure. I, I just think it does, it does such a disservice to, to talk like this. Um, and to your point, like not everybody's a victim. And this, this to me just, um, you know, I don't want to shame a fourth grader in any way, shape or form. And, but I think it's just a little silly. Well, yeah. I, I, look, these days, everybody looks for that lowest common denominator, math pun intended, because I intend my puns. 
to, to you know what the problem is. They're looking for the simple solution. They're looking for the quick fix. No one wants to acknowledge that a problem, you know, not all problems are, they're, you know, solved. You're, you're going to have to actually put some effort and put some thought. If a problem doesn't take a lot of effort or thought, it's probably not that much of a bloody problem. You know, if you're going to have a complex societal problem these days, it's going to take more than a five-second, you know, this will fix it to actually get it done. Agreed. And Stephen Mullen's saying, like, yeah, people are overly sensitive in his opinion. And I agree. Like, you know, it's – and I think what happens with stuff like this is that we, we get away from actually solving any sort of real problems. Like, we, sure. And it's so we're, – we're just inundated with silliness that we don't – like, we see something like this, and this makes news. But where's like the the articles and the, and the real you know meat and potatoes of you know people that suffer from eating disorders and and how you know if you know somebody I mean the mo- I knew somebody in college that had an eating disorder and it, it's like you know where are the articles that you know if you know somebody that has an eating disorder this is how to talk to them or this is what you should do like you know that's not out there but a, a fat shaming word problem is, is like that makes news and that's where it just gets way too sensationalistic and way too oversimplified when we should be looking at other things because um you know again being body shamed is not going to inadvertently call somebody oh my god i was 100 percent mentally healthy and now i'm anorexic because i saw this this math problem um i think that just gets silly and like i said i think a, a certain level of looking in the mirror and uh kind of not liking what you see is uh is a good thing and i'll tell you man like being a wrestling fan you know, we've done this too, you know, and, and I, I wish, I wish more wrestling fans acted like this, but there are times, man, I watch wrestling and, you know, Triple H is over 50 years old and that dude walks down to the ring and I'm like, oh shit, yeah. <laughs> uh, right. you know, I look in the mirror, you know, in my, in my little speedo that I'm going to have to wear on stage. I'm like, uh, more work, more work to do, you know, and I would never accuse wrestling of body shaming, but for me, I look at guys, I admire people that have, work their asses off to, to look a certain way. And sure. when I watch wrestlers, I'm like, you know, I, 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 I gotta, I gotta do more work. And, and that's one of those things, you know, I love James Storm who's really taking his fitness seriously and he looks great. And uh, um, a guy like Magnus, when I look at him, like he's, yeah. you know, when he's holding that NWA title, it's like, that's like, I want to look like that. Like that's, I admire those guys and I admire the, the work they put in. Um, so I think it's, you know, Again, I wish more wrestling fans thought that way, but uh, when I watch wrestling, I, I'm just like, all right, I got, I got to hit the gym a little harder, which brings me to, I mean, Jesus Christ, if, like, you're walking around, um, you can trip and fall over a wrestling promotion on TV. I mean, it's crazy, man, and I, I haven't gotten to see all of it. Uh, I'm trying to catch as much as possible. Um, I, I do think it's kind of cool that um, when you look at the product now and, and the landscape of pro wrestling, um, you know, I've said this before, like I consume the product a little differently, you know, and I hear that something's good. I watch it. Um, if I hear it sucked, I don't, um, which is good and bad. Um, you know, this past week I didn't watch raw cause everyone told me how terrible it was. So I'm like, you know what, maybe I just don't watch raw this week. Um, I watched NWA. Oh yeah. And, oh yeah. Uh, why don't I start, you know, I was going to, we'll start with that. Then we'll rip the WWE, but I, I, I want to get your take on it, but I, I'll tell you, man, the NWA out of everything that's going on, AEW, WWE, SmackDown on Fox, NXT, can't remember the last time I watched TNA, but all the stuff that's out there, NWA is really the first thing in a long, long time in wrestling that has gotten me excited. For an hour 
about an hour, and Michelle could either comment on the on the uh, the thread here or call in. But I would say for about an hour straight, I was smiling ear to ear, um, and I can't remember the last time I did that watching pro wrestling. Not to bash the other, well, maybe I'm bashing, but when you look at what's going on in the landscape of pro wrestling, taking nothing away from the greatness of Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho is yeah. a WWE cast off. Cody Rhodes, WWE cast off. Yeah. John Moxley, WWE cast off. Um, you know, when people people want to label now, you know, jump on. And again, I think he's an all time great. You want to tell me Jericho is the greatest of all time? Because look, he's the top of another company. He's a, he's the top of an inferior company. There are a lot of people in the WWE that could have left the WWE. Like, do you think if John Cena was like, I want to be in AEW, that he wouldn't be the top guy? Like, it has nothing to do with, you know, Jericho. I mean, again, taking nothing away from his greatest. He is an all-time great. But going over to AEW does not make him the greatest of all time. He, he, you know, when you think about it, here's a guy in the WWE that's a part-time Legends contract one-off kind of guy. And now he's the main event champion. In your company. And when you look at the other companies, you look at WWE. You have the Titantron. You have the Entrance. You have the Pyrotechnics. AEW, you have the big – I mean, I think they have a good set. Their production value is better than I thought. But when you look at their Pyrotechnics compared to the WWE, it's like it's good, but it's inferior. And it looks like a WWE program. Yeah. Like wrestling – WWE set the benchmark. WWE is the company. Every other company has, and including NXT and TNA – the entrance looks the same, you know, maybe a little dumbed down, but it's a big screen, a ramp, a doorway for someone to come out of. Yeah. It, every single one looks, even ROH. So if you're just flipping on a, one of these companies, they could all be under the WWE umbrella for all you know. If you know nothing about wrestling because of the similarities. I mean, I know yeah. you watch yeah. ROH, you watch the Briscoes, you know, all right, this is something different than the WWE. But at first glance, it could all be under a WWE umbrella. Sure. NWA is something different. Absolutely. When you turn on it, it's the first thing. And again, I think AEW has a lot of good stuff to offer. I think NXT has a lot of good stuff to offer. I'm not saying that all these other companies suck. But what I love is when you turn on NWA, you are watching something different immediately. You, as soon as you turn it on, you, you see that it is something different. No entrance music. No pyrotechnics. Very bare bones. The championship match ends with a small fucking package, man. Not a, not a finisher. You gave us now. There's there's room for improvement. The matches were good. I wouldn't say they were great, but they were good. They were solid. But it's an hour. Nothing dragged. You gave us something that was a throwback. That you get you and you gave us good characters. As far as everything going on, again, I've watched AEW. It's good. I've enjoyed it. I'm not going to say it sucked, but for the first time in a long time, NWA had me excited. No, I. I am completely 100% on board with you, Ken. Like, NWA, for me, so that it was delicious, as I say, deliciously 80s. Absolutely deliciously 80s. And the thing is, they, they really did go back to the roots. You know, they're, cut, they're broadcasting out of Atlanta, Georgia. And when you think about it, when you think back then, uh, the North, Northeastern wrestling got over on big gimmicks, larger-than-life characters, uh, you know, a lot of pop and circumstance, uh, for, for lack of a better phrase. When you think about Southern wrestling, you know, very light on the promos, uh, very light on the gimmicks. It was just basically straightforward, to the point, wrestling, 
wrestling, wrestling. They, they did have their promos, but they, you, you weren't eating up, you know, five, ten minutes of TV time doing one segment on one match. It really flowed well. You didn't have a lot of the flash, the flair, but you, it, it made sense. And to me, it, you, it invested you in the storylines because you cared about what Tim, you know, Tim Storm was putting his heart and soul into trying to gain back that 10 pounds of gold. And Nick Aldis, while being the, still being the heel, he was being a champion. And he was being that throwback champion of, okay, this guy may have a mean streak, but the dude's handsome. He dresses to the nines. He has Camille next to him. He, like, he's the man that everyone wants to be. I thought it was extremely well done. And while everyone is trying to emulate the WWE, I think NWA realized, look, these guys do it the best. They're on top of the mountain. There's no way that we can do it as good as they do at this point. We need to do something completely 100% different. And that's why, and that's why I think it was, it was brilliant. I mean, you know, no company, no company, no, I don't care about AEW. And they, and they, again, I thought the production value was very good. I, I was yeah. pleasantly surprised. The set, it was it was better than I thought. Everything was better than I thought it would be as far as the production value. Um, but you're still competing with the WWE on the same playing field. You're trying to do the same thing. It's the same look. And you know, again, and and I'm, it, it's a it's a gross generality. I mean, I get it. Like, there's a lot of other things that are different. Uh, you know, when you saw buckets of blood when when Cody and Dustin wrestled, I mean, that's something you don't see in the WWE anymore. And I, I'm not so there are differences, yeah. but I'm saying the look of everything to me that's important. That's important to to know right away you're watching a different product. And I got really excited when you know they they had the night before. I should say the night before, maybe a few days before. I keep forgetting it's like this is this is on YouTube, so I forget when it was posted. But they had a um, countdown to. Uh, power or something um and billy corgan said it's time to let talent be talented and i i thought it was just such a such a good thing to hear that you know he's going to take a live mic put it in a guy's hand and it's sink or swim yeah and that's what wrestling's all about is, is letting these guys cut promos and just letting them go and and i, I do think that the wwe uh, does a disservice at times with scripted promos, you hear all the rumors. I mean, who knows? I mean, we don't know what goes on, but you hear the rumors of scripted promos uh, that cer- certain guys need to just speak from the hip. And I think you saw that. And, and it will be. I mean, we're going to watch some shitty promos in the NWA, but it's it's sink or swim. Get out there and, and see what you got. And, and I, I just love, like, kind of being a part of that and feeling like you're a part of that at, at the ground level. I think there's things they can improve on, obviously. Sure. Um, you know, the, uh, the sign power the lettering almost looked like, you know, a Knights Columbus pancake breakfast kind of lettering <laughs> back there. I'd, I'd like to see something maybe a little bit different with uh, how the lettering is. Um, but I just, I, I, I dug it all the way around. I just think the NWA um, really gave us something that as a wrestling fan, you can sink your teeth into. And again, even if it sucks, it's an hour, it's an hour. So, you know, when you, when you're dragging through a three hour raw, if it's a bad raw, three hours is tough, man. Oh yeah. Three hours is tough to sit through when uh, it's a bad episode. Whereas, you know, if the NWA shits the bed and they didn't, but if no. they do want to give an episode, it's like, all right, it, it, it's an hour out of my life. Yeah. No, and look, I, I understand that, you know, the WWE has their ad revenue that they're so, you know, they are so 
I, I, I missed the correct word, but they so want to keep their ad revenue and they so want to keep that money rolling in aside from the merchandising, aside from the live events. Okay, granted, but, you know, look, two hours is a rough slog. Three hours, I still think, is way too unwieldy, even for the WWE. You know, a one-hour shot, and it's, it had its ads. It didn't have much in the YouTube. You can skip them. You know, five, five seconds in, you can generally skip them. But I thought it was extremely well done. And it, it was a great entry into a week that had, you know, you saw NWA. You saw NXT now. You now have AEW. You have SmackDown going to Fox. It, it was a busy, busy week in wrestling. After what really was, in my opinion, a great pay-per-view with a terrible ending. Agreed, man. And let's get into the WWE because I, I – look. I'm not going to hate on it because, I mean, Vince McMahon has forgotten more wrestling than I'll ever know. Sure. Um, and, you know, it's weird because, you know, a lot of stuff when you talk on any shows like this, you're taking a pulse on a weekly basis where it, I get it. You know, you got to see a storyline unfold and then look back and say, all right, like, did it work? Um, but you do. When you see something initially, you, you, you have a gut reaction. We're human. You know, you kind of yeah. have that gut reaction. Um, I would have liked to have seen – Kofi's championship brain have a better ending. Um, I thought their, their initial SmackDown on Fox was good. I thought it was a solid entry and I love Brock Lesnar killing Mysterio's son. I thought that was great on raw. Um, it added, you know, when you have new companies uh, coming up and you think, you know, to me, it's like Vince McMahon is never going to allow a WCW kind of situation to ever occur again. Um, he gave us something really violent. He gave yeah. us something different that kind of, it was uneasy. It was uneasy to watch, um, which was good. Um, I'm an old school kind of guy, and we talked about on the pre-show, and if you're on the Facebook feed, you, you, you kind of heard this. I just hate someone getting a title shot without earning it. Um, it just bothers me. Um, and again, not really knowing what I'm doing, and I'm not in any place to buy the WWE and run things. Um, but in my humble opinion, I, I probably would have looked at and had Cain Velasquez kind of interfere in some way, shape, or form, have Kofi go over, retain the title, because that's the only way you could have. Kofi, the only way he can retain a Brock is something wonky has to happen. The only way you can have Kofi retain that title. I don't think it makes sense at all, storytelling-wise, for Kofi to win straight up against Brock. So I get that. But I would have Cain interfere. Um, Kofi retains, and then you have basically a grudge match. You have, you know, Kane Velasquez versus Brock Lesnar with no title in the mix. Uh, Kane Velasquez's first match in the WWE is for the title. I'm not a big fan. I'm not saying the match won't be entertaining. Maybe it will be. I'm hoping it's going to be violent. These two guys know violence. They know real violence. So I'm guessing that the match will be entertaining. Um, but I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, getting to the pay-per-view, um, I don't get the ending at all. Um, I, I really don't. I don't. I mean, and first of all, when you look at the ending, then you got to look at everything involved. Um, you book the title match. So you decide to go in the direction of having a title match where I don't know if that's the right move right off the bat with The Fiend. Yeah. If Fiend doesn't need a belt, The Fiend character is still fairly new. The Fiend character still has to kill people, you know, it still has to Agreed. kind of Agreed. be that sort of character. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the right move because you, 
you can't have you can't really have the fiend quote unquote lose. You can't have him get pinned. Um, he's still in that place developing uh, the character. I'm not saying the fiend can never be pinned. I think at some point, absolutely, you know, it's wrestling. Eventually, the fiend will be pinned. Um, but I don't think now is the time period. So when you put a title on the line, and then you put it at, at Hell in a Cell, so you have a Hell in a Cell match. I just thought the match was somewhat entertaining, but the cell is supposed to be. Uh, and they sacked on blah, 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 blah. So the 49ers game is on. So, <laughs> um, uh, so I completely lost the train. The cell is always another character uh, that you got to utilize. I didn't think they used the cell effectively. Um, with all the stuff that came out at the end, it was more of a hardcore match than a Hell in a Cell match. And we've had Triple H kill people with uh, the sledgehammer hundreds of times before he brought the sledgehammer out uh, during hell in a cell with the undertaker. We've never had a ref stop a hell in a cell match. It just, and, and the thing is like, so here's what you do. So here's the storytelling. So you have the fiend and Seth Rollins, the ref's like, we have to stop this. Okay. Because you're killing him. He's going to die. But then he still has the energy to get up in the end and, and use the mandible claw. So you really didn't do much to him. So there really was no reason to stop the match. It just, I, it just didn't make any sense to me at all. I don't know what they were thinking. And it is one of those things that I don't know if three months from now I'm going to look back and say, oh, now it makes sense what they did. It just it really didn't make sense to me at all. And I talked to a lot of people. A lot of people told me, like, oh, pay-per-view sucks. I didn't think it sucked. No, I, I thought it was a fairly entertaining pay-per-view. But if you're going to give me that sort of ending, that's that's the best creative to come up with. The ladies held a cell should have main evented held a cell and should have stuck that crap like somewhere earlier in the match. And at least I think people would have thought it sucked. But I think people would have walked away with a more positive feel for the pay-per-view as a whole if the ladies main evented over the. I I just I I thought it sucked. I didn't get it at all. Yeah. No. Look. Kudos to the women uh, in Hell in a Cell because, not for nothing, Charlotte and Bailey and Sasha and Becky did phenomenal jobs in their matches. I I thought uh, Becky and Sasha really set the bar high for the first match of the freaking of the freaking pay-per-view. And, you know, Charlotte and, Charlotte and uh, Bailey delivered as well. You know, that being said, I can understand where you're coming from with the whole Kofi thing. The, the thing that doesn't bother me about Kofi is you know, remembering Daniel Bryant took one bicycle kick to the face and lost his world cha- world championship in six seconds or however however many seconds, and he came back uh, a lot angrier, a lot meaner. It gave him a chance to develop his character, and I think not for nothing. I think that's what Kofi needs because you know Kofi's character, while a great character, if they're, if they're going to put the belt on him again, and I'll be I'll say it right here, I will not be surprised if they do because he did make a good champion. They put the belt on him again. He, you know, I'm sorry, but he just can't be the happy-go-lucky character, you know, as the top guy. It, it, I don't think it's gonna work. Uh, whether you know whether he keeps himself or he changes his character up a bit, that remains to be seen. But it's to me, it's still possible. As far as you know, the whole ending with with Seth and the Fiend. Ah, look, I agree with you that. The Fiend character does not require a title. It does not require a belt. It definitely has has its own draw all on its own. Uh, 
if I would, you know, if I was booking that match and we needed to keep Seth to retain, look again, the Fiend plays games. Let the Fiend beat the ever living hell out of Seth. Let leave him laying in the ring just when he goes to pin him. Lights go out, you know, big, you know, big evil laugh. Lights come up, Fiend's gone. You know, something like that to, to see that, you know, look, I'm just toying with you. I, you know, I don't care. All I want you is to feel pain. To me, that's what that character represents. Now, that being said, just like you can, I don't have the money to buy a WWE. I don't know the freaking the decisions that go up, that, the decisions that go on in the back. So I think we're not going to really get this resolved until sometime down the road when we can look exactly what they did with this decision and where it went before we say, you know what, good call, or who the hell made that decision? I hope by now they're fired. Yeah, I mean, and there's so many things with, like, you know, when you have a character like The Fiend where you can do a lot of mystical-type stuff that, like, you know, it opens you up creatively sure. to, like, something else you, you could have done. Like, if, if, if they didn't stop the match, and like you're saying, now, again, I think the match as a whole, aside from the ending, I didn't think it was very good. I think they could have used the cage, like I said, more effectively. Um, but that being said, you know, like whether Seth Rollins, like Seth Rollins beats him with the sledgehammer, he's out, gets to his knees to like hit the pin, the lights go out, and he's gone. And you just hear the laughter. And Seth's like, what the fuck? Yeah. You, you could have ended it that way. You know, if, you, if you're going to end it, I mean, that's not a great ending, but to me it's better. Better than what you got. Um, uh, the, you know, I didn't like the red light either. I, I found it distracting. Yeah. Um, it was tough, and I, I can't, the cage was red, so I'm kind of curious to uh, anyone in the arena if it was difficult to watch the match through that that red lighting. Um, I, I just I don't I, I just didn't get it. And even like you know things where you know what if before like the setup for Hell in a Cell and again Hell in a Cell is supposed to be you know it's weird because our, you know what are they going to do down the road? Okay. Hell in a Cell is kind of supposed to be that blow-off. Like, Hell in a Cell is like, we have fought so many times. We've had so many battles. This is it. This is for all the marbles. Hell in a Cell. You know, and that's kind of the blow-off. So, to initiate a feud, I didn't think it worked. Um, I didn't think the match was very good. I didn't think the ending was very good. You know, you could have done something. Like, what if Seth Rollins earlier, like before that, this, uh, this pay-per-view, you know, was, was set up for a title match? And again, the fiend, mystical, whatever, you know, he's set for a title match, and whoever he's wrestling, you know, they're in the ring, the lights go out, you know, <laughs> lights come back on, Rollins is is out, he's just out in the ring, his opponent's like jumps down, hooks the leg, pins him, wins the belt, no match, wins the belt. So Rollins is like, <laughs> so no belt on the line, just two guys that hate each other getting in that cell and, and beating the shit out of each other. So you don't have to worry about the ending because, well, we can't put a title on, on the fiends. So we want Rollins. So, and again, I'm not saying that that's necessarily the best answer, um, but I, I, I think they just could have done something different. Let's go. We actually have a phone call and I do believe, I think this is Justin, but I'm not sure. Let's, uh, it's, let's see if the phones phones work. There we go. Uh, okay. Uh, call Hi, Ken Reedy. It is Justin. What's up, bro, Chacho? I miss you, Ken Reedy. I miss you too. How are things? 
Excellent. Excellent. Good. I got to ask you, you know, we're kind of being a little critical. Um, did okay. you watch the pay-per-view last week? Huh? Did you watch Hell in a Cell last week? You guys had that, Ken Reedy. What'd you think of it? It was it was good. It was good. Was there any part of the show you didn't like? I like um, I like Becky Lynch because she's good. I'm right there with you. I think Becky Lynch was probably the best part of the pay per view. Yeah, I got to ask you something because you are probably the biggest Edge fan I know. And news came out that doctors have cleared him to wrestle. So he hasn't said that he will definitely wrestle again, but doctors have apparently cleared him. How excited are you at the prospect that Edge may wrestle again? I hope so. I hope so, Ken. I hope so, Ken. I hope so, too. You're like the, the king of like the very short but direct answers. So, uh, Thank good you. Stuff. But, um, anything, did you watch NWA this week? Uh, not really. You didn't? Okay, so then we can't talk about that. <laughs> but what are you looking forward to this week? Raw, SmackDown? What do you think uh, this week? In I, I really love Ken. What was that? Cause, cause I love Monday Night Raw. You love Monday Night Raw? Yeah. What do you think about Bray Wyatt? He's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> now, that sounds enough? He is nuts, dude. And uh, Rick Walker, yeah, you can't hear the phone calls on the Facebook Live. you got to listen to the show, blogtalkradio.com slash thekenryshow.com. Yes, we <clears> can't <throat> hear callers on the Facebook Live. Okay, so. you like Edge? Yes. I said, you like Edge? I do, man. I think Edge is awesome. And uh, I, I, I follow his Instagram, and he looks like he's probably in the best shape he's been in years. So, um you know, since uh, I mean, I hate when people are like, I don't want a fantasy book, but what the hell, it's fantasy book. What I would I would sign going. up for tomorrow is yeah. Edge comes back. Let's like give him a title shot somewhere towards the end of the year. Put the strap mm-hmm. on him. Have him have a bit of a title run. A couple months before WrestleMania, say you know I, I came back for one thing, and I achieved my goal. I wasn't coming coming back for a long run at all. I just wanted to prove to myself I could do it again. So, um, you know, I'm just here to, to formally announce, and John Cena's music hits. <laughs> and you have uh, John Cena going for Ric Flair's record um, against Edge, and they always had tremendous chemistry in the ring together. I would sign up tomorrow for one last run, Edge and Cena. Those those guys promoing off each other back and forth, and then I'd have Cena go over at Mania, whatever. I you know that. And, and take the record. What do you think about that? Oh, that's good. <laughs> Why? Well, thank you. I'm on board. So, Justin, thank <clears throat> you so much for the phone call. I'm gonna put you on hold so you can keep listening to the show and give us a call next time. All right, dude. All right, Ken. I love you, man. Love you too. Take it easy, bro, Chacho. All right. Bye. Bye, Ken. That's cool, man. Yeah, I'm excited. The product. I mean, I don't know if Edge. You know, it's funny when you hear the rumors. I mean, I look at Edge and I'm just like, all right. If if he if he's cleared to wrestle, that means he looked into being cleared to wrestle. Yeah. Like he's I'm, not like you know. I don't know if I'm cleared to wrestle or not. Like I haven't asked the doctor if I. So he went to the doctor and asked if he's if he could wrestle, and he's apparently been cleared. I mean, that's the dirt sheets again. Who the hell knows? You take everything you hear online with a grain of salt, but. That's the first thing I thought of that I, I would love to see. To me, um, 
Maybe, I mean, look, you might look at Edge and say Edge was at his best uh, TLC era when it was Edge and Christian, and, and maybe he was at his best, but man, he was a really good singles guy, oh, yeah. a really good main eventer, and um, if Cena wasn't Edge's best opponent, Edge was definitely Cena's best. I love those two guys. I, I thought they, they worked well together in the ring. I think they brought the best out of each other in the ring. Um I, I just enjoyed the two of them a lot. And I don't think that rivalry gets enough credit. I mean, people look at, you know, uh, Shawn Michaels and The Undertaker and, and the matches they've had over the years. And, and people will, will jump on board with uh, certain wrestlers and say, well, remember this promo, remember this program, remember this. And um, I don't think Edge and, and Cena get enough credit, but those guys had a lot of chemistry together. And one more go around, man, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah, definitely. You know, obviously, there, there, there's some interest there for Edge because, like you said, you know, you don't go to the doctor. Hey, doc, uh, I think my I think I stubbed my toe. And by the way, am I clear? Right? Exactly. So, you know, it, it, it's obviously there's some interest on his part. And, you know, I think he would be a shot in the arm to pretty much any promotion he joins. Because let, let's face it, now with the state of wrestling, WWE is not the only game in town. And. We also, you only do WWE if you have the the physicality to keep up that schedule. It's a nutty schedule. So it it's feasible that he actually looks to other promotions that may, may be a little bit lighter on his calendar, you know, while giving him that star power. And let's face it, he's going to bring uh, – there is not a wrestling promotion out there right now that would not court having Edge on their roster. Oh, absolutely. Um, I do think, again – you know, it's really interesting with wrestling fans and how they look at things because I, I do think that AEW's got to be careful, like, not to be the WWE knockoff. Sure. And and I do – I'm not saying that putting the first, the first title on Jericho is a bad thing, and I'm not saying that, but I am saying that you got to be careful. you got to be careful that you're not just – and you bring in Jack Swagger, that you're not just filling this roster full of – former WWE guys and, and, and giving them top spots. Like you need to start building other guys to be your company. So your company has a fresh look. Uh, you know, it's funny with that. And I don't doubt it's physical ability, but I'll tell you, man, um, Kenny Omega does nothing for me. He really does nothing for me. I mean, he's, I'm not going to say he sucks, but as a fan, I'm just like, eh, okay. Like Kenny Omega, he doesn't do a lot for me. Yeah, uh, like as far as AEW is concerned, I would say that the one person that they're really grooming that not for nothing can we have both worked with and, you know, I, I wish him the total best is MJF. I, I think they're grooming him as a great heel. And if, as you said, you want to be careful not to be, you know, WWE light and all your belt holders are former long running WWE talents. And I get the feeling that probably sooner rather than later, you're probably going to see gold around MJF's waist. And he, he is one guy that I think AEW will have taken, uh, you know, a large part in molding in his new, his new persona, if you will. It's so weird. Like the wrestling game is so weird. Like if you, if you study acting or if you're doing local theater, the, the, the gap between you and the people you work with, and Hollywood is astronomical. It's a huge gap. The weird thing about pro wrestling is 
the gap between you being on an independent and being on TV is so much smaller. Oh yeah. It's so much, and it's weird, like seeing him on AEW and I'm just like, I did shows with him. It's just so wild. Like it blows me away that like, you know, we see certain guys. It's like, wow, shit. Like I did a show with him and then now he's on TV. And there's on the road, beat the Rams. I say, God damn. God damn. 5-0. Okay. I'll have my point after the show when, God I, damn. when I watch the freaking Yankees clobber the Astros one more time. I know why Ver- Verlander's going tonight, right? I, I think so. Yeah. Uh, I still look forward to a clubbering. <laughs> it's clubbering time. I got uh, Stephen uh, Token Munts, who's actually been uh, very vocal on the Facebook feed. He actually said the uh, same thing, that Kenny Omega doesn't do much for him. And he spends most of his time on Twitter bashing the WWE. And I'm glad that Steve wrote that because I, I do think that AEW's got to be careful with that. And Absolutely. it's interesting that, uh, you know, fans eat it up. And but I think it's it's fool's gold, you know. It's it's cheap. It's a cheap pop, you know. At some point, you know, when uh when Jericho, and it was funny when Jericho was like, "We the people is dead." It's just it was bad creative. And it was like, first of all, it's not bad creative. People are still chanting it. Like, yeah, it yeah. Actually, it was pretty good creative. Number one, number two. At some point, to me, you got to stop acknowledging the WWE because you're you're basically just kind of saying, like, you know. They're better than me, like, and that's that's so we're we're chasing them. That's the people we're chasing. And sure. when Cody bashed the the Triple H throne and the other WWE references, it's just at some point you gotta just be like, no, we're we're our own entity. You know, we're we're competing with ourselves. You know, we we wanna we wanna be better than last week. We wanna keep putting out better shows. We're not competing because you can't compete with the WWE. You can't right now. You just can't. Like you don't have you don't have the money. You don't have the talent. You don't have the storylines, you don't have the longevity, and you don't have Vince McMahon. You can't, you cannot compete with the WWE. So, it, it to me, it's a cheap pop. At times, it's entertaining, but uh, you need to get out there and just be AEW and oh, yeah. stop being like we're chasing yeah. WWE. Not, not for nothing, NWA Power. They mentioned the wrestling business, but as far as they were concerned, you did not hear any other letters of any other wrestling company. They were all about them, and I. I I will not stop singing NWA praises probably this whole show. Oh, absolutely. Well, because I think, I think, like, to me with wrestling and mentioning other companies, and this is where, you know, I fault the WWE. I fault a lot of companies. Um, but I, to me, the only time you should mention another company is if you're mentioning someone else's accolades. Sure. So if you want to, if the commentator is, is uh, you know, commentating a, a Chris Jericho match, and you want to mention he was the first unified champion in the WWE, however many time champion in the WWE, fine. You're, you're, you're listing his accolades. You can, and you want to list WCW championships, like list his accolades. Absolutely. Um, I hate that whole idea. You know, you look at like Sting documentaries on the WWE, and it's like Sting lived in a cave for years after WCW and then showed up in the WWE. Like, we're just going to pretend TNA didn't exist, you know? And that's just kind of like, it's weird to me. Like, no, he, he did. He was a main eventer for a while, and that company was getting better and better, and then they just, they, you know, they shit the bed. But that company was building for, for quite some time. So, you know, I hate that. I hate that whole, like, oh, we're just not going to acknowledge other companies. And well, they are the kings of revision systems. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's actually, don't get me started on the revision system. <laughs> that just kills me. But, um, yeah, it's... It, uh, 
and I just like the NWA where they, you know, if you're going to acknowledge someone's championship line, um, but you're not competing with them. You're just, you're competing with, you know, power wants to be a better episode of power the, the following week. And yeah, I, I, AEW eventually to me is going to do themselves a disservice by constantly referencing the WWE. You just need to be you. And um, I, I think they're kind of, they're riding the wave of being this new company but it's a little bit lazy so far. And when I, to me, I don't have storylines I can really sink my teeth into. All it is right now is an alternative. And that's good. Yeah. But at some point, you got to be your own entity. And I don't know. I hope they have enough forethought to start to realize we need faces and heels. We need, uh, you know, good characters here. Um, we can't rely on guys like Jericho and, and uh, Dustin to come and bring kind of versions of their characters from the WWE over to AEW. That we need to build our own thing here, and I'm not seeing that just yet. Well, yeah. I, I, well, again, one thing that at least should come out of this, especially with all these new names on the playing field and all these new shows on the playing field, you know, hopefully they are not. Hopefully they are not too egocentric that they don't aren't able to look at their mistakes, look at other programs, other productions, see what they're doing right, see what they're doing wrong, because let's, let's face it, now it's a competition. Now you're in it. So now you, you have to correct your mistakes. You have to build on your strengths, and you have to hide your weaknesses if you want to thrive in this business. Because while WWE you know, financially is going to be on top probably way after we're gone, but if you want to climb in this market share, if you want to get somewhere, you're going to have to be able to look at yourself critically, look at what you're doing right, look at what you're doing wrong, and try to keep on getting a leg up of the competition. Yeah, and then Stephen Mullins actually brings up a good point. He's like, right now, AEW's biggest heel is the WWE. And yeah. then you got to come away. You know, you got to stop thinking that way. You know, to me, I think the only problem the WWE's got, there's no single company is going to compete against the WWE. Not for a long time. No. But collectively, could that happen? Like, collectively, could fans decide, hey, you know, for my wrestling fix, I'm going to watch AEW and NWA, and I'm not going to watch Raw and SmackDown anymore. I think that's possible. I think we could see Raw's numbers dwindle, SmackDown's numbers dwindle, um, because of a combined effect of, like, the rest of uh, the wrestling landscape, but I don't think we can look at any company right now as being any sort of direct competition uh, to the WWE. And, and like I said, they need to start building their own characters, their own faces and heels. And, and you know, I think Steve brings up a great point. Like you can't have the WWE be your biggest heel. Like yeah. you need a, a big heel um, in your company. And I think Jericho's trying to be that right now, but people just dig everything he does because he's, he's entertaining. Um, so I don't know. It, it, it should be interesting to see how it, how it all unfolds. It's, it's interesting though with, with life in general, and when you you look at a lot of things, um, you know, people say wrestling is real and people are fake. Um, the more and more I get involved with with politics and 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 researching and reading more and <laughs> local politics, Jesus Christ, man! Like my my experience in wrestling just seems to have like prepared me for local <laughs> politics. I mean. It's, it's just like faces and heels and like social media is just freaking uh, brutal. And, oh yeah. And like in, in my, 
in our area, there's there's a, a most people are white conservatives. I mean, that's that's the bulk of this area. And um, if you even remotely disagree with the GOP stance on things, holy shit! Like a pack of wolves, they come out, and it's like you are wrong, and and it's it's just nuts right now. And in our county, and if you're from out of the area, like Rockland County, New York. Um, you know, there's a lot going on with overdevelopment in Ramapo and, and people are outraged and there's a lot of, because the overdevelopment is, is coming a lot from the Hasidic community. Um, a lot of, there's anti-Semitism and there is anti-Semitism and there's legitimate criticism that gets labeled anti-Semitism yeah. because it's easy to just say you're being anti-Semitic. So it, it's, it's really, and it's disappointing because it's like, Rockland's never in the news, and we make national news because, hey, look, it's that anti-Semitic county, and that's like how we make it onto CNN. But it's crazy that we've gotten to a point where, so local politicking in Clarkstown is is in a lot of financial trouble. Actually, a lot, but we're in financial. We're not fiscally sound, and we recently just made a purchase of, of land, and this is where social media gets crazy. So. We made a purchase of land because apparently the, the other buyer that was in line to purchase this land has a shady history of what he does with certain properties, and we didn't want that in Clarkstown. So I'm not saying it was necessarily a, a bad purchase. However, we have no plan in place on what we're going to do with that land. So this could wind up being a financial albatross down the road a piece. So on social media, because it was like, yes, Clarkstown got the land and no one else got the land. Everyone was like, so thankful. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, we did this. Thank you. And I just posed the question, what's the plan? If we're, we're, in, in, if we're not in the best fiscal shape, if we're going to spend millions of dollars on a property, what's the plan? Holy shit. <laughs> you would have think that I insulted someone's baby because everyone like, Karen, read the article. Read the article. There's nothing that says any sort of plan. Oh, we need to but there's no plan. And I just kept getting like, and all I kept writing, every, everyone write me these dissertations and I would comment, what's the plan? What's the plan? And, and people would get angry and angry at me. And then like Pete Bradley, who, don't get me started on that guy, but uh, you know, the, the consummate rabble rouser uh, in the county, like tries to defer, like and start a, a, a different topic. And like, yeah, but you're saying there's no plan. And, and he just wouldn't, he wouldn't answer the question. And he's been the politician not answering questions. Yeah, exactly. No. But the funny thing is, like, he, he keeps saying, like, his thing is, like, he comes out and says, always fighting for the people of Rockland County. And everyone's like, thank you, Pete. I'm like, what did he do? He just says it. He says, I'm like, I'm fighting for the people of Rockland. Okay, good. Like, what exactly are you doing aside from stoking the flames of bigotry and hate across the county? Like, give me what you did. But it's hilarious on social media. He'll say things like fighting for the people of Rockland County. And there'll be a hundred comments after him just thanking him. Like, what did he do? It, look, I don't know what your level of interest in getting into politics is, but it, it, it's obviously a snake's den. It's oh my God! So yeah. much of a snake's den. And to, at least by my estimation, no good, no good can come, especially what, as you said, Clarkstown's. Uh, Finances not in the, not in the black, not right? The black They're running a deficit. Yes. So you know, okay, you buy land, and I understand you're trying to keep it out of the hands. You're trying to keep it out of the hands of 
by your estimation, a uh, uh, shady developer. Okay, that's I can understand that. But if you're doing that, then whose hands are you planning to put it in? You know, uh, either A, you're planning to put it in somebody's hands, or B, you're going to keep it on the books where it's really not going to do anyone good, and it's just going to, as you said, it's going to be fiscal albatross that's just going to drag the finances down that much more. Like you say, I have, we have the potential to send it, well, well, this potential. It's great. Potential. Potential doesn't pay the bills. Right. <laughs> potential does not pay the bills. So at, at some point, especially when you're in the red, you're going to have to, you know, nut up or shut up. And to get a politician to actually straightly answer the question, I might as well start building stairway to heaven. Yeah, well, I mean, it was funny. And, and, maybe, and honestly, maybe I didn't use the right language, but, you know, sometimes it's like I'm just having fun and seeing if I can kind of get people <laughs> sure. going. I mean, I, I said that something like, you know, I said something to the effect of, um, you know, are, are the people, are, is Rockland full of lemmings that just blindly follow you? And so that, that prompted Pete Bradley to be like, are you calling the taxpayers of Rockland County lemmings? And I was like, ah, like, this is you, like, I'm asking what the plan is. And this is you, like I said, deferring and, and totally going off on a different topic. And honestly, like lemmings, I just refer to people that actually think Pete Bradley is fighting for the people of Rockland County. I don't think everybody in Rockland is a lemming, but maybe, maybe that wasn't uh, the best best choice of, of words. But, there are plenty. But um, exactly, and that was kind of my point. That if you're just blindly, if a guy says I'm fighting for the people of Rockland County, and you just because he said it, Hooray! you're just like, thank you. You might fall into that lemming category. <laughs> But here's a guy, and, and it's weird, you know, and that's where we talk a lot on the show about, like, nuanced conversation and nuances. And that's where, like, a purchase like this, you know, it's not black and white. Like, if you don't know what you're doing with it, like, it might be a good purchase because of who may have bought it. So keeping it out of someone's hands may have been a good idea to purchase it. However, if you don't have a plan in place, it might not be a good purchase. So there's a there's a gray there. There's a gray area that nobody wants to talk about. That all right, fine. At first glance, right now, it's a good purchase, but we don't know if it's going to be in the future. And that's where like I, I just I'm shocked by the venom that was thrown in my direction. Where I'm like, what's the plan? Because nobody could answer it. And all of a sudden, it's like this ideology of, of the the right in this county looks at me like, wait, a dissenting voice. We need to jump all over them. Like, and some guy was like. Why don't we ask the board of elections what they're doing? Because I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like, we're not even talking about this. But it's like, there's no plan in place. Let's try and steer the conversation to something else. Well, if I had to make a call, what we have just witnessed, we have witnessed the gathering of political capital. Because, again, you're trying to keep it out of someone's hands. That's fine. That also means if you're trying to keep it out of someone's hands, you're trying to put it in someone else's hands. So that now the question is, Whose hands are you putting it into, and what are they doing for you to get it put in their hands? You know, that, that, that's where you can go with that real easy. And that's where, you know, you start getting down the real dark, dark uh, hallways of politics, and you start getting to those back rooms. It's, again, it, it, as a libertarian, it raises my hackles because I am just not at The more and more I read and the more and more I study, the more vile I find government. And I'm not, look, I'm not an anarchist. I am by <laughs> no means an anarchist. But for, for the majority of what's in place, uh, the majority of what's in place, at least in my opinion, is not that great. 
Agree, and I think it almost, I don't know if it's better or worse, maybe it's just seeing, or maybe it's just recently getting involved, but local politics, it's just, it's just really interesting, and it's interesting where this country is, that, again, that, that idea of nuance, you know, why can't, why can't we have a conversation? Like, why can't, why is that so out of the realm of possibilities that if a constituent says, well, what's the plan, that, you, like, why can't the answer be, you know, what's the plan for the property? Well, Ken, uh, you know, the property, we really needed to keep it out of the hands of so-and-so. He has a shady uh, record with his dealings, so we wanted to keep it out of his hands. Honestly, there's no plan in place in the future. There's going to be meetings held, and hopefully within the next couple of months, local legislature will have a plan in place, and we'll know at that point what we're going to do with the property. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, so there's no plan in place. You, you told me there's no plan, but they're working on it. Okay, like I, I, that's an answer I can live with. Like the, the venom that's thrown, it's like, really? Because like I'm, I'm being somewhat critical. You know, it's just so, like, it's so weird. Like you uh, look at. But that's not, that's not even critical. That's, that's inquisitive. Okay. Exactly. You know, and it's just, it's a weird kind of thing in this county right now where, you know, that nuance where, you know, there is a lot of anti-Semitism, but it, it's this gray area. But is, is there overdevelopment that needs to be uh, tackled? Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's stuff that needs to be tackled in this county. But there are properties that are looking at being developed that are not looking to be developed by the Hasidic community that these same people are not fighting against. So it's like, are you – because I'm against overdevelopment. No, I don't, and, and for me, full disclosure, I think all religions should be taxed. So it's not – if I say, like, they should pay taxes, it's nothing against the Hasidic community. I think all religions should be taxed. I, 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 tax exempt to me is like, eh, eh. Um, That's my feeling on things. Um, and I don't give a shit what religion, what group, what whatever. I lived, I've lived in Rotten County most of my life. I love the, the forests and, and the nature and everything about it. I am against overdeveloping everything. I don't give a shit whether you're part of a, a real estate group, a religion, whatever. I'm against overdevelopment across the board. But it seems like the, the venom and the um, vitriol is thrown towards the acidic community. Um, but when there's overdevelopment going on elsewhere in the county, these same people are silent. And that's where you start to look at, all right, I don't want to label people anti-Semitic, but if you're only fighting one community, it kind of starts to lean in, in that direction. And, and to me, like, you got to just, you got to look at that. And that's that, that nuance, like OJ Simpson. If you looked at OJ Simpson and you're like, he should have gone to jail. Why? Because all the evidence mounted, everything I saw, he appears to be guilty. I thought he was guilty. Okay. If the answer to that question is, well, because he's black. Totally different ballgame. Even though you're both saying you want the same thing, if you're, if you're racist and that's the only reason you wanted him to go to jail, that's a problem. If you're in this county and you're fighting over development, but the only reason you're fighting over development is because of a specific religion, that's a problem. Sure. And, and I do think there, there's a little bit about this in, the, in this county. And I think Pete Bradley's the guy that keeps stoking those, those flames of hatred that people just buy into. And he's sensationalizing everything. And here's a guy who got himself into trouble with uh, minor- minority hiring practices in, in a firefighting company in the city a few years back. So looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, probably a duck. Um, again, against overdevelopment. I am purely against overdevelopment. I just think we got to be careful as a county, as a people, if we're really against overdevelopment or if we're targeting a specific community. No, absolutely, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of back and forth that can go on as far as uh, you know 
politicians' attitudes and their beliefs and whatnot. And politicians do themselves no favors, and honestly, the media does no favors because, look, the media is looking for a story. They're looking for what's going to get eyes on product. So they have their own uh, their own agenda to run. As, right. As, as objective as they would like to portray themselves, we all know that certain media outlets are, are, are lean certain certain directions, and at the end of the day, they're just looking for that story that will get, look, look at this, read this. While you read this, look at these ads at the bottom of the page. You know, it, it, it's all a lot of dirty pool all around. And that's just it. Like, the thing with media and Again, it, it's I keep saying I keep saying it like drink every time I talk about nuanced conversations. Um, but the the nuance of you know the media and look Trump when he blames the media is I'm gonna I'm gonna kill the messenger. However, the media has done a lot of this to themselves. You know the whole if it if it bleeds it leads. I mean they're looking to sensationalize everything they can. So as much as I think Trump is in the wrong. Uh, with the way he wants to vilify media, the media has, on some levels, dug their whole, own hole in certain outlets. So it's, it's uh, you know, at some point, uh, I don't, I don't want a president who is just going to continue to uh, berate the press. However, I think the media needs to look in the mirror and say, if, if we're always just looking to report what's sensationalistic um, and not really report the news and not really report the news in an unbiased fashion. Um, you know, we got to change what we're doing as well, uh, which is, and that's where it's so difficult because, you know, Jesus Christ, like we all got shit to do. And I, I, don't, I don't got time to take a news story and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to watch it on CNN, then I'm going to watch it on Fox News, then I'm going to watch it someplace else, then I'm going to read this article here, and I'm going to try to figure out the truth through all of it. Yeah. And, and that's like, that's really, some, I, I don't got the time. Like I try to d- discern the truth, but it's, I don't have the time to look at a story from like 16 different directions and 16 different media outlets to figure out what the truth is. And one of the things I did want to talk about on the show, and I really wanted to talk about it with you is, um, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how with uh, the media and whoever happens to be in office and what media outlets are leaning what way, uh, they'll, they'll cover a story differently. And when Trump took the troops uh, out of Syria, um, obviously a lot of the media were critical because a lot of the media is just critical of Trump all the time. Um, and it seemed like when you hear the stories of top military leaders were not uh, consulted on this move, you think, okay, like, you know, Trump's, I mean, Trump doesn't have any political experience. Like, what, how the hell, like, how do you not consult with military leaders? Um, but at the same time, because I had someone, again, social media is like, what, you're against the troops coming home? Like, Jesus Christ, dude, come on. Like, of course, I want everyone home. I want everyone home safely. That, that's a silly comment. It just seemed a little bit haphazard to me, to me, my interpretation of the story. And doing this show and kind of we talk about everything now, having someone with military experience, to me, I was like, well, this is a perfect topic to kind of, and you lean more right than I do. Um, that just talking about what's going on in the Middle East and, and um, now Turkey attacking Syria and everything that's, that's happening there, it just it seems like it's an, it's an absolute massacre that, you know, it's tough for me to sit here and as much as, yes, I want the troops to come home, it's kind of tough for me to justify because it seems like it was done a little haphazard. So I defer to you. Your, your thoughts on everything going on with, with Turkey and Syria and uh, the troops being pulled. 
well, uh, to, to be honest, Ken, I haven't followed it as closely as I probably should have. But uh, if my knowledge of what I'm hearing is correct, then the, the big con- the concern right now, or the main concern from pulling our troops out, is basically leaving our Kurdish allies flapping in the wind. And uh, by my estimation, look, I've worked with the Kurds. Uh, they are valuable allies in the war on terror. To leave them in a to leave them in a spot, especially when they've been such such long time allies, in my estimation, that is not a good move. If one thing I, I remember, uh, General Mattis uh, on his exit as a part, uh, you know, as Secretary of Defense, I, I think one of the problems he had with Trump was. Trump's seemingly non-caring uh, of how we treat our allies. And, you know, General Mattis is not, General Mattis is the farthest thing from a fool. I shouldn't even put those things, those two words in the same sentence. But, you know, he knew that we need to back, we need to back our allies. We need allies. We cannot do this alone. And the Kurds have been invaluable. If you, you know, if you're going to pull, if you're going to pull out and look, folks, folks out there who's like who are going to say stuff to the effect of you don't want to bring the troops home here's a little lesson for you there are always troops deployed we rotate uh, you know i was part of i was part of a, a deployment a deployed division we do it every you know every 6 months there's a different group that's out there we have the you know they call the marines the world's 911 force for a reason because we're always out in the sea we're always deployed that's just a fact of military life. So all you you want to bring the troops home? Guess what? There are troops that are that don't go home, or they troops come. Some troops come home, then other troops go replace them because there's always going to be some out there. That being said, we need to back up our allies. That's a simple fact. And if if this was just something, again, I'm not speaking from a, a lot of knowledge on the subject because. My own fault. I did not do as much research as I should have. If this is if this was Trump firing from the hip, bring these guys out, pull these guys out, and we did leave our Kurdish allies flapping in the breeze. I'm sorry, there is no way, no way I can condone that. And I'm willing to bet my bottom dollar that there are a lot of Marines out there, and probably and the other branches will probably back me. There are a lot of Marines who feel the same way. Well, and that's what struck me. And and honestly, like when, you know, the, an individual commented like, oh, you, you don't want, you know, Trump bringing the, the troops home. You don't want us pulling out of and You know, that's when I started like looking at some other articles. And then when you see things like a well, top, top military leader uh, was not consulted on this exodus. Like, wait, what? Like, wait, what? Like that, that was just, you know, and knowing, and, and I remember, uh, you know, reading uh, Mattis's letter of resignation and there was like part of it was, you know, that he was not 100% on board with the way Trump was treating our allies. Um, so you, when you start to hear those things, you're just like, huh. And then when we pull our troops and, like, Turkey attacks immediately, it's like, oh, that, that's, that's not good. That's not, you know, it's like it literally was, like you're saying, um, we, you know, Marines, the, the world's policemen. I mean, obviously, our presence there was, was maintaining peace. And it just seems like it, we, we gave, and again, I'm not going to, we didn't give them permission, but indirectly, it just feels like we gave Turkey permission. Like, you know, you know, we're not going to tell you we want you to attack Syria. What we are going to do is tell you 
we're not going to do anything about it if you do. Uh, and that's kind of how it came off. And, and uh, you know, it's, again, that, that, that gray area, like, obviously, soldiers are home and, and they're, they're safe. I mean, I, I'm happy for them and, and their families. I mean, that's uh, obviously want everyone home and safe, but it just, it just didn't feel right. Didn't feel uh, like that was the move we, we should be making. And it does feel like, uh, you know, when you look at Trump and you look at his, his foreign policy that uh, he, uh, he's not treated our allies in, in the best fashion. And, um, and he is a guy obviously with no military or political experience. So it doesn't necessarily shock me. Um, but to me, it's, potentially making the world a more dangerous place. Uh, there's, there's could be truth to that. You know, if you follow the logic of, of folks who voted for Trump as far as the presidency, I would say a large chunk of Trump voters voted for him for his business acumen. And they spoke to the, you know, they spoke to our finances, they spoke to the economy and whatnot. But I think any, everyone universally acknowledged that, as far as, you know, foreign experience, maybe business dealings, but certainly not foreign policy. Um, you know, yeah, Trump always wrote a big America first platform and you're, you know, that definitely, that definitely resonated. Obviously he got elected on, but you would hope that he would listen to the experts because, you know, when you look on the president, at the presidency on space, in reality, it's supposed to be a, it's a figurehead position. You surround yourself with advisors and you surround yourself with experts that can give you knowledge that you need to make an informed decision. And your job is that decision, but the, but you really have to take the expertise of your cabinet into consideration in order to make that decision. And in my estimation, the loss of general Mattis, the secretary of defense, I would say that's probably the biggest blow that this administration had because not listening to him was not a good move. And this could very well have made the world a little bit more dangerous. I, I can't say either way. And not, not to sidetrack, I want to get back to this, but ladies and gentlemen, the Jets have won. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Their first win of the season comes at the expense of the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, oh, I, I, well, hold on. I'm going to start typing looking for them boys. And I'll tell you, like as a as a 49er fan, I mean we had a rivalry in the 90s. I'm not an over intense Cowboys hater, but I said it. I don't know if they say it on the show or, or on the pre-show, but they had three and O contenders and pretenders. And with the Cowboys three and O, where they they had beaten some of the worst teams in football, were listed as a real contender. And the Niners, who are five and O now, were listed as a pretender. And they just beat the NFC champions from last year on the road, the Rams. So when we're talking pretenders and contenders, I think the Niners have put themselves in the contender uh, category. But, the, I mean, Cowboys now starting off 3-0. and They're 3-3 three and three now. And the Jets got a win in the W column. That is crazy. But getting back to, you know, one of my favorite quotes and I always forget who. I think it was Confucius, but who knows? Maybe it's just like I think Confucius said everything was. But it, it's uh, knowing what one doesn't know, therein lies true knowledge. Um, meaning sometimes you just got to know what you don't know. And 
I think Trump could stand to live his life a little bit more by that quote. And bring a guy like Mattis is just, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong, even if you're president, to just kind of being like, I don't know shit. You know a lot of shit. You tell me the shit you know, and then we'll make the decision together. But it's almost like Trump wants people to come in and agree with him, and then just so he can do what he wants to do. And I agree with you. I think losing Mattis, because Mattis as much as, I don't know his political dealings. I don't know, like, which way he leans. Uh, but I do think he's, he seems like to me an actual real patriot. And he is going to yes. not let left or right leanings dictate what our country should do militarily and what our country should do if we're going to put our soldiers at risk. He's going to determine whether it's right or wrong based on our country and not political leanings. And I think that's where a guy like Mattis, that's where his strength is. That whether I don't know what he is, whether he's registered Republican or Democrat, he just, in the limited stuff I've seen and read about him, he just seems like a guy that supported his soldiers, loved his soldiers. He's single. Certain things I've read about him that they said he's married to the military. That's, that's his wife. Um, to me, he's a guy that you wanted to keep in the fold. And it just seemed like he wasn't the yes man that Trump wanted. And so they, they butted heads and Mattis thought it was just better to, to bow out. And that's, that's a little bit frightening. It's a little bit frightening when you see something like that, when you think, you know, hey, a guy that has really no military experience is, is making these decisions where you'd like a guy with the experience of a Mattis in there saying, no, Mr. President, like, this is what we need to do. Well, yeah, no, and look, there, there are still, uh, there are still generals there that are giving him advice. Uh, I, I, I believe General Amos is still there, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the, I know there's one, uh, there's one Marine Corps general still there that has a, a bit of a, rep, a reputation, not, while not as, uh, as intense as Mattis. I think he, he his reputation is still fairly solid as far as a, a hard-headed. Uh, look, I'm not going to just not. I'm not going to nod my head at everything you say, which it, which is really what this presidency needs. Uh, you know, at least if the media portrayals are to be taken at face value, you know, the the ego of Donald Trump is obviously out of control. Um, you know, some maybe some of it is warranted, maybe some of it is not. I don't know the man, uh, but. That being said, when it comes to dealings, especially dealings with foreign powers and foreign governments, and when you have military lives on the line, I don't care who is in the office. I don't care if it's Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton. Take your pick. I don't care the last name. You really have to listen to your advisors, and you really have to take their advice into consideration to make an informed decision. Your job is to make the decisions. And their job is to give you all the best information with which to make that informed decision with. And that's where, like, we're, we've gotten, like, so nuts with, with bipartisanship in this country. Like, pull Trump out. Like, pull him out. Insert Barack Hussein Obama. And give me the same exact scenario. Conservatives are killing him. They're killing him. They're not defending this at all. Like, you know, and it's just... And by contrast, like, the left would be like, oh, you know, it's a great move, Obama. And, you know, it's, like, it's just so weird. It's like, switch the president 
and everybody on, on either camp like will flippity flop their their opinion. Well, yeah, everybody is rooting for their camp, but no one's actually looking at the action and saying is the action right. They're just like our uh, is our side right. No, look at the action. Look at what this action does. Do we agree with that action on its face? No, you know, take the label out of it. Unfortunately, it's, it's the effect of the polarized, you know, landscape today. Everyone wants to be about their team and not about what the action is going to do. Yeah, and that's what's, I mean, that's what's crazy. I mean, that, that you know, Trump supporters right now, like with, with uh, Turkey just going headlong into going, going uh, you know, after Syria, they can't look at this and, and just think, okay, maybe Trump was wrong. Even if you just say that, maybe Trump, maybe, maybe he was wrong. Um, that uh, it's it's just mind blowing. Like I, I just you know I, it's weird when you see it. Uh, you know, getting involved in local politics and now seeing it on national level, how how crazy it's it's gotten. Like how it's, we we're just so polarized right now and we can't engage in conversation and social media I am convinced that it's just it is the prime culprit of all this shit because even the stuff you know you know on social media with local politicking it's like would you say that shit to my face motherfucker <laughs> you know we're, we're talking politics and we're going to go back and forth and we're going to have an honest comment you're going you're gonna to talk like that you're going to talk like that to me like you really like you think you're going to open your mouth and talk like that to me I doubt yeah. it I doubt it. you can do it when you're on, you're hiding behind your keyboard, and that's what social media has has uh, has bred. Oh yeah. People are just, you know, it's like I, I'm going to jump all over this person because it's a lot of dentists out of business. You know, my opinion's right, and that's the weird. Like you said, you know, with and being a libertarian, you know, I I just don't get the whole that people really, whatever side you're on, I take it with a grain of salt. You know, you might be supporting a certain candidate, but. Um, to believe that any candidate is altruistically just fighting for everybody else. I'm sure there are those type of politicians that exist. Sure. But I'm not buying it until I meet that person face to face. Absolutely. When someone's coming out and saying, you know, I'm fighting for the people of Rockland County. Like, you know, do you know him? Like, do, 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 like just because he said it. You know, it's like, like these are politicians, man. Like, like take right. everything with a grain of salt. Like, look into it. And and there's nuance to, to all issues. You know, just because uh, a, a a certain strategy appears to be right does not necessarily mean it's going to be right long term. And, and it's just amazing that we we just can't have that conversation. It's just like social media, and it's like I feel this way. It's like, well, I have a question. You are wrong. You know, and it's just, and it, it's just this back and forth and. Like I said, I mean, I tend to think I'm, as far as my path of enlightenment, that I'm down the right path because I, I tend to piss off left and right um, <laughs> at times and, and not even intending to just being like, hey, you know, this, this kind of got under my skin and let's, let's see who's pissed off today. Yeah. Um, you know, but it, it's really interesting. Um, you know, we got about three minutes left uh, reading anything good these days. Uh, right now, my readings are pretty much uh, everything on. Uh, Everything by Thomas Sowell. He, he's really written a lot. Uh, the guy's a prolific writer. Uh, honestly, it's almost going back to uh, back to school because I'm reading Basic Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell, and uh, it's providing to be uh, very interesting uh, insights as far as you know both politics and economics. 
Interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I still, I still have my, um, you know, my uh, five books at a time kind of doing. So, uh, but I picked up a new one because uh, I finished. Oh, I finished. But uh, I'm reading Beyond Charlottesville: Taking a Stand Against White Nationalism by uh, Terry McAuliffe, who was the governor of Virginia when okay. a horrible uh, Nazi rally occurred. And uh, oh, geez, I'm forgetting her name, but she was run down by a car when the guy just blew yeah. through the. Uh, the other yeah. demonstrators and uh you know trump said that there were good folks there were good folks on both sides that uh um it's interesting stuff uh, he actually he was on the phone with trump and he kind of thought trump was going to do the right thing and kind of condemn white nationalism and said like he, he like mcculloch was shocked when trump came, according to the book okay. um so i just started reading that um still reading race matters by uh um Cornell West, uh, got a Prince book I'm reading. Um, so I'm still reading like the 12 rules, uh, from Jordan Peterson. Uh, it's a great, great uh, book. And, uh, great book. Uh, with a minute left and Jordan Peterson apparently was uh, entered rehab because he developed, a, um, I think it was an anxiety pill, uh, problem. So because we're both real big fans of his and doubtful that he's listening, but if he is listening, obviously wish Jordan Peterson, uh, all the best in, in his recovery because he's a guy like right now it's like Joe Rogan needs to do stand up somewhere in this area and I'm hoping Jordan Peterson gets back on the the speaking tour and uh, does something near this area because I'd, I'd love to go see him but oh, yeah. I got the 12 rules going as well so it depends on kind of what mood I'm in in a given day I'm like oh, I'll pick up that book and read five pages so that's where I'm at everyone who tuned in tonight thank you all for tuning in you guys on the Facebook feed thank you all for all your comments we finally hit wrestling we did on the show. We, we hit some politics, some wrestling, and you know, honestly, do you uh, got anything you think we should talk about? You know, shoot me a message, uh, comment. Uh, we'll talk about just about anything on the show. And if we don't know what you're talking about, we'll we'll research. Um, so give us give us a shout out and uh, thanks for tuning in. And so everyone have a great week. For Rocky, I am Ken. The Niners are five and zero. Oh. Have a great week. Take care, everybody.